Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to the We Podcast, and I'm your host, Sarah Menares. I believe that we all need a space to speak our authentic truth, as well as a space to hear the truths of real and vulnerable people so that we can better understand that we are not alone. Hearing the experiences of others encourages us to step into the light in our own lives. It is through owning our stories and learning to speak our truth that we are able to grow and rise above the challenges we face and step into the full power of all we were created to be. You will hear many topics discussed in this space with people from all over the world. We hope that you feel welcomed into a community of growth and that this space will invite you to uncover the absolute greatness that is already inside of you. Oh, and don't forget, check out all the We Podcast episodes as well as the We Spot blog over at thewespot.com. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey there, it's me. You're listening to episode number 90, opening the conversation about suicide. In this episode, I get to talk in the roundtable setting with the We Spot leaders, Amy Norris and Heather Williams. We talk about both of their personal experiences with suicide and how it has shaped their lives and the lives of those they love. We also talk about how to have a conversation with someone about suicide and identifying the warning signs of someone who could be suicidal. Seeking out additional training, education, and awareness in this area is highly encouraged because it's all of our jobs to prevent suicide and be informed so we can intervene when needed. I will give a trigger warning for this episode. There could be things talked about that may be hard to hear. If it's too much for you, I encourage you to reach out and talk with someone about it and use the resources that we have listed in the show notes. If you're having thoughts of suicide and are thinking of killing yourself, please call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or call 911. Thank you for joining us in this conversation. One of the most important things we can do to prevent suicide is to normalize the conversation and destigmatize mental health care. As always, please know that you are loved, you are needed, you are cared about, and you are not alone, and that there is always hope. So here we go. Let's dive in. Welcome to this episode of the We Podcast. I am really looking forward to the conversation at hand today. I have the amazing Heather Williams and Amy Norris here with me, and we are going to do some talking about a topic that doesn't get talked about enough. So we're just going to dive right in. And the reason that we have gathered today in this roundtable topic approach, which is my favorite kind of podcast is because we want to talk about suicide and September is Suicide Awareness Month. 
September 10th is World Suicide Prevention Day. For different reasons, we all have a connection to suicide. We all have an experience or it's touched us each of us in in some way, just very differently. And so I think that suicide is something that's not talked about enough. There is a lot of stigma around it. There still holds a lot of stigma around mental health. And so I'm really looking forward to being able to have a conversation with both of you today in just bringing this out into the light and being able to talk through it, being able to speak out about how it has touched each of us and also help people who are listening to hopefully know and understand that they're not alone, to also know and understand more about suicide and what they can do to help themselves, but also to help other people as well. So thank you so much for being here with me. Let's dive in. So we were talking and you know, one of the reasons we're here today is 123 Americans per day die by suicide. That number is way too high. Even with that high of a number, it's something that is taboo. It's something that is very quiet. It's not talked about openly. Let's just open up the conversation. For me personally, I am more affected by it professionally. I've never really been personally touched by it. However, I kind of, I see it as personal because I've had clients who I care about and who are important to me feel like they want to take their lives and really have worked with quite a few people where I was afraid whether they would come back the next session or not. And so it does affect me professionally, but it affects me personally because, you know, I, I am my profession. So I would love to hear from each of you. I know you both have personal stories about how it has affected you. And so maybe that's a good place to start. This is Amy. Thanks for having me here today. Yeah, um, I'm glad to be talking about this important topic, bringing awareness. Yeah, so my own personal experience is when I was 14, my dad died by suicide. So that is how I have been affected. It's, oh yeah, impacted my entire life. So unfortunately, but at a young age, I was also very aware. I didn't even know what that meant at 14, honestly. So it's changed my life to bring awareness to this important topic and really like how suicide is just, yeah, it's a, it's a really big unspoken truth out there that people are thinking about. So that's how it's affected me. Can you tell me a little more about, you said it's kind of affected everything. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think it's, it's given me a different outlook about life in general and the way I have compassion for people as well, when I talk to people, really changed the conversations and communications that I have with people and really opening up to no one knows what kind of day we're having and how important it is to really be seen and heard in your life for yourself and for others. So it's changed that way. It's also opened up this whole sense of pain for me and the pain that we all go through as humans. So I'm really aware of that. It has 
Yeah, it's impacted the way that I have conversations, hard conversations. I think it's shaped me as a person to be able to talk about difficult things with people, no matter what that topic is. I mean, it's it changed my life in a way that was devastating, absolutely devastating. It, it changed the complete structure of my life, I guess I could say. To have to deal with that kind of pain has definitely been a lesson in a lot of things. So if I'm being clear. Amy, what type of support did you receive and your family receive after your dad died? Because it seems like my awareness of suicide has, you know, intensified just, oh, I would say over the last 10 years. And mm-hmm. this happened when you were 14. So I would imagine this you know, was even more back then. Were there resources for you and your family? And, and what did it look like afterwards? Yeah, that's a great question because it happened. That was over 30 years ago. So then suicide was looked at as you're crazy, delusional, like you're in a straitjacket almost, like you belong in, you know, a psychiatric ward. And so there was support then through hospice. Basically, I went to counseling one-on-one, but there was like a support group of other people who gathered together who had also, you know, lost someone through suicide. So that was really supportive. But other than that, I there was really no support. And no, like it was really even hard to talk about. I didn't even talk about it for a very long time because it's a conversation stopper. It's still a conversation stopper. But 30 years ago, I didn't know anybody who had ever been impacted by that, nor did anyone ever really want to talk about it. Even within your own family unit? Yeah. I mean, they would talk about the memories of my dad and what an awesome person he was, but no, it was really, really tough to, to talk about how he died because it was so shocking. So yeah, that also changed the way that I communicated back then. Yeah, I felt, I felt pretty alone, you know, but I did feel supported. Like I I felt, I just remember feeling supported because I did go, I was in one-on-one therapy and I did have that support group. I want to zone in on something you just said, because I think it's really important. You said it's a conversation stopper and (laughs) I'd love to know more about what you mean by that. I think the word suicide automatically, if I explain it from a bodily function, just stop. Like people just get real tense and uncomfortable and nobody likes to feel tense or uncomfortable. So it just stops the conversation. It's usually like, wow, gosh, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. And nothing. Whereas like, I remember when I was young, begging, like I'm thinking inside, I was begging for someone to ask me more. Like, how did he, how, you know, how did it happen? You know, well, oh my gosh, you know, just validating like how painful that was. I think it's a conversation stopper because people connect with their own pain around that. So they don't want to visit it. They're just like, nope, I'm not going there today mm-hmm. with you <laughs> or not really thinking about me, but thinking about their own reaction yeah. to it. Yeah. And, and just maybe not knowing what to say, not, I think this is something around death in general, especially suicide because of the way the death happened, but that people think, you know, by talking about it, it evokes more pain. Whereas I think mm-hmm. that actually the opposite of, is true. It just completely avoiding and, you know, hurrying up and moving on and act, acting like, oh, Amy never said that. Let's move on. I think that's more painful than typically trying to save pain, but maybe causing more pain through doing that. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. That was my experience. 
I think people have a tendency to do that with any type of death. It's hard. It's uncomfortable to sit with somebody's, you know, that type of that depth of despair, but then suicide kind of amplifies it because it's, it's just not the natural way for us to go. I think people just freeze and don't know what to do. Yeah. And I remember receiving looks like I was the girl in high school whose dad committed suicide. That was it. And you just, people have their own preconceived notions and judgments around the word suicide. And although I never really experienced anything negative, but I just, you know, that connotation is out there. Like you wonder what people will think about you because you have someone in your family who committed suicide. So that's also hard to, you know, sometimes can keep people from saying that out loud, actually saying the word, you know, because it's such a secretive, secretive thing. Yeah, well, dying by suicide has all kinds of connotations that come with it, right? And there's religious beliefs around it. There's all these things that tie into that type of death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Amy, you tell your whole story on the episode number 64 of the podcast. So if anybody wants to dive in and hear the entire story, they can do that there. But I think it's so important that you're able to to talk about it, especially going through such a period where you felt like it was so shameful. You know, I never believed it was my fault. So that's probably... I'm sure that's helped me in my own healing process for sure. So yeah, so it's, it just really opened my eyes and made me aware and educate myself around suicide. You know, it's, there's no cause 30 years ago versus now. I'm so glad there's so much more awareness, but we still have a long way to go too. So mm-hmm. it's good to just keep these conversations going and, and talk to our kids, talk to other our friends, talk to older adults. I mean, everybody, there's no, there's no an exempt. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't discriminate. So what, what about, let's talk about people who do hold guilt, because I think that a lot of times when it comes to suicide, a lot of people hold guilt around the death of the person. I think they could have done something different or they should have seen the signs. Or I I think that suicide is something that definitely a lot of people hold guilt once the person is gone. I think that that's important to bring awareness to. Yeah, maybe Heather, in your experience, if you want to share, I'm not sure if that's something that resides with you. Yeah, for sure. So my experience of that is my 12-year-old daughter feeling that way when we received the news that her biological father died from suicide. The first words out of her mouth were, was it my fault? That just, it was like receiving the news all over again. It was like a wound on top of a wound because now I'm going to spend the next number of years trying to get her the support she needs for her to accept that it had nothing to do with her, but that it changed her life. And thankfully that happened in 2012. And there was a lot of progress from the time that you lost your dad until the time that she lost her dad. And so I was able to get her, you know, all multiple levels of support. We uh, worked with a trauma specialist and there was a support group in her middle school, which is really unfortunate, but at the same time, fortunate that there is a support group for children that have lost their parents specifically to suicide. So she was welcomed immediately there was less of a stigma because 
you know, those kids could empathize and talked about in, in the school curriculum even. And then shortly after that, uh, the school uh, or the, the district partnered with some external resources to get training for the, the faculty and the parents and even the students on recognizing the signs, knowing what types of conversation starters to have if you think somebody might be suicidal. But I think now my daughter's 20 and she still is reckoning with that guilt. Specifically for her, what comes up is the last time she saw her dad, uh, she didn't tell him she loved him because she was mad at him for something. And mm-hmm. she still to this day has, you know, some pain associated with that. So I think it's different for each person. I, I think it's just an added complication when we lose somebody to suicide that can happen. I think we always have regrets when we lose people that we love. But from what I've seen, there's even more so, you know, when it comes to to suicide. And we lost a mutual friend's daughter to suicide as well. And I remember even myself feeling a little bit of guilt and, you know, remorse. What could I have done different? Because we were left behind when she lost her mother. Could we have pulled her out of that darkness, you know, and and saved her? So I think it's a byproduct for sure that can happen. I think there's two things I'm thinking about here in that, you know, I don't know if either of you follow Kevin Hines. I think he's Mm -hmm. amazing and definitely somebody I think should be anybody who's listening. You should follow him. Um, His documentary is incredible. Yes. I hosted his documentary in Fort Collins a couple years ago called The Ripple Effect, but he mm-hmm. had jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived mm-hmm. and now really has dedicated his life to suicide awareness. And one of the things that he says regularly, it kind of his phrase is, you are your brother's keeper, which I think is important. And I think it's something that we need to continue to keep in our minds. Like, I think it, this is, it's tricky. This, it becomes very tricky for people because yes, we need to be aware. Yes. We need to reach out to somebody if we see them struggling. Yes. We need to know the signs. Yes. We need to directly ask people if we think that they're thinking about it or we think that they're struggling. Yes. We need to call and ask for help. Even if somebody's going to be mad at us, if we do, all of those things are super important. And then there's also the flip side of we also can't be responsible for the life of somebody else. If somebody decides that that's, you know, where they're at and what they're going to do, then I think it's important to understand that we don't have control over that. That's two very opposite sides of the coin. And so I think that that's partly one of the reasons why it makes this so hard to navigate. Yeah, for sure. I remember before I did the training that was offered for free by the school district, you know, for me, it became an immediate like possibility after we lost my daughter's dad to suicide. I had this thought, well, now it's an option for my child because it's in her awareness. It's in her conscious. And and she's now aware of how easy it is to tap out in a way. And so I felt this insatiable desire to learn as much as I could about it, to try to feel like I was in control in some way. 
And one of the things that was most interesting for me to learn about is we have this fear that if we talk about it with somebody that we think might be suicidal, that we're putting that idea in their mind and we might make them do that. It's actually the opposite. If we are courageous enough to start the conversation with somebody, whether it's our child, a coworker, a friend, a stranger, and, and actually point blank ask them, are you thinking of harming yourself? Do you have a plan to harm yourself? Questions like that. They're less likely to follow through. But if they do say yes to those things, you can then escalate and get them professional support. It's not your job to do it, but you can get them in touch with the resources that can help them. And that was something that I didn't have the awareness of before. So I felt conflicted, like, what is the right thing to do if somebody is potentially suicidal? I don't want to make it worse. And then after that training, I learned that it's, it's worth having those conversations. Yeah, that's totally necessary. I would say that some of the biggest barriers I see to people actually reaching out and asking for help is why well, I don't want them to be mad at me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how many times I've heard that, you know, especially teenagers, having teenage clients and them come in and tell me about a friend who's struggling, who they're worried about. And, and the teenage client saying, well, you know, I don't want to tell because I don't want them to be mad at me. And if they're mad at you, that means they're alive. Right. So that's a good thing. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's worth it for sure. I'm actually working right now to have suicide awareness training provided to all of my people leaders on my team because we have, well, number one, where it's 2020 and there's just a lot going on. And, um, you know, each person that comes into our facility potentially has a ton of stuff going on in their personal lives. And I want my team to be empowered to recognize the signs because we may be able to be the conversation starter for them. And, and so I want them to be, you know, aware and have the tools if they should ever need it. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think that's one of the main challenges for people is what do I do if I suspect or if I think, you know, like you said, asking the question point blank is important. You know, it's it's definitely not going to make it worse because someone who's suffering and has lost the light in their own eyes and doesn't feel worthy when someone brings attention to this pain you're having, like that's a connection, you know, and how I can't explain the I don't have a word for it, but how important to feel seen and recognize that, yes, I'm struggling. And thank you for recognizing that. Yes, it's embarrassing and can be shameful, but I can't imagine how relieving maybe that would feel in the moment as well, just to have someone recognize you and bring some light into your life. Yeah, I think one of the themes that I've heard for people that have attempted suicide or had suicidal thoughts, they think that people would be, but the world would be better off without them. And so, like you just said, Amy, having the courage to have a conversation and and admit that you see them and you see their pain might be a big enough shift to get them through the next moment. Yeah, I think I took the same training as you, Heather couple of years ago. So it was like an eight hour training. Is it mm-hmm. the one you're referring to? Yeah. Yeah. And they even had us role play. Mm-hmm. They had us um, be the person who was having suicide, suicidal thoughts. And then also the person that is the conversation starter. And it was uncomfortable. It was, I'm not going to lie. It was really uncomfortable, but, but now that I've practiced it and I've done it, I've had that conversation on more than one occasion. It is so worth it. 
It is. It's definitely worth it. Yeah, it works. Honestly, I have two and it works. They also provided us these stickers. I don't know if you remember that, but it's basically a sign to somebody that might be suicidal that you are a safe place for them to come and talk to. I don't remember what was on the sticker. Um, I wish I still had it, but I thought that was really cool too, because you can put it on your coffee mug or on your laptop so that if somebody sees it, they know that they can come to you. Nice. I don't think we got that. So yeah, that's really, that's cool. I like that. Let's talk through Heather. You said it's 2020. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Obviously we're all like, We know exactly what that means. But I think about people too, and I wonder, I don't know the statistics about what's happening to the suicide rate right now. I doubt that they're probably even out at this point. I do know that there are a lot of people who are struggling, a lot of people who are feeling lonely, a lot of people who are disconnected, people who are feeling depressed and anxious about what's going on in the world. And so I feel like things are very, very heightened right now, even more important right now for us to be having these really hard conversations, for us to be having real conversations and not just the, you know, bullshit, how's the weather, let's talk about Trump or whatever you know, the superficial, it's so easy to get stuck in that rather than doing the deeper work, digging deeper, finding out how people really truly are and connecting on that level. We always need it, but especially right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How's your heart today? Is there anything I can do for you today? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. What does fine mean? Mm-hmm. What are, how are you really pushing a, a little scale bit? of one to 10? How <laughs> shitty do you feel today? <laughs> that works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think especially for our kiddos too, we got to keep an eye on them right now just because yeah, they are adaptable and, and they can go through a lot, but their entire structure is changing. Um, And depending on where you are and where you live, you know, you may have a good support system um, getting you through these, these challenges with school and you may not. And so just taking care of each other, taking care of our own families, watching out for our neighbors and trying to connect more intentionally in different ways. Since we have lost some of that proximity physically, it's even more important to pay attention and have conversation. Yeah, this is something that we just absolutely cannot be avoidant about, especially if we have children. Yeah, and I think definitely listening to your instincts. I mean, I think I can't speak for all, but in most cases, I'm sure people who have had someone in their life that has had death by suicide, I'm sure there's an absolute, I just remember the sense of shock and I Mm -hmm. didn't even see that coming. Where did that even come from? Like, why didn't I know? And so, you know, there are warning signs out there. And even in your best intention of paying attention to those things, like you were saying earlier, Sarah, when someone has made that decision, that's, you know, the decision that they've made. And I think, so coming back to your instincts, like if something feels off, stop, put down whatever you're looking at and really connect with this person. If if something feels off, trust it and go with it. And, And don't be afraid to make someone mad or get into someone's business. 
sadness, if you have, you know, those, those feelings, we just, we know the people we're around, we know when things are off and when things don't feel good. So maybe we should dig into some of the warning signs. I know we've referred to them a couple of times, but it's probably just important to be totally blatant about them. So I know there's quite a few. I'd love to hear from your guys' training, what you kind of learned in there about what the warning signs are. Yeah, I think um, sleeping a lot or not sleeping, you know, anything off pattern with your sleeping. If you if you notice huge mood swings, you know, or someone feels angered or raged, enraged, you know, those are good signs to look out for, like acting recklessly or maybe using unhealthy coping mechanisms, drugs, alcohol, just things really out of the normal are all, you know, signs we definitely talked about. And withdrawing from people can also be a sign when you're normally not withdrawn, spending a lot of time in your room by yourself, if you're a teenager, getting rid of your things. I think there's also situational things that can cause it. So if, you know, a spouse gets a terminal diagnosis, watch out for that too, because they may come up with a plan. Or if somebody you know, has a history of destruction and they say, I'm never going to go do that again. That was our situation. Kaylee's dad had been in trouble and been in jail before, and he had made statements, you know, I'm never going to go back. And so when he was presented with the situation that he was going to have to go back to jail, he he decided that, you know, suicide was a better option and he probably should have gotten some help in between, you know, that time frame. But there, there's also, I think, warning signs for people that might be on medication that can cause suicide. And so trying to be preventative with that as well, like getting, um, learn, educating self about prescriptions that can cause suicidal ideation to try to prevent it from ever happening in the first place. And then being aware if you are needing to take a medication that has that side effect, talking with your doctor about it is really, really important and making sure that your family unit is aware of that too. So they can watch for those signs. Yeah. And even talking about it, if someone's talking about it, like don't take it as a, it's always a serious mention. Right. Don't downplay it when somebody's Mm -hmm. saying, I feel like I want to die. Yeah. We aren't the judge of that, whether they're serious or not. And always, always taking it as serious, no matter what I think is very important. Mm -hmm. And asking follow-up questions Mm -hmm. if they do make statements like that. I think especially teenagers, because they're so impulsive and they cannot see past the immediate situation. And so it's hard to know, like if they say, I'm done with this, I can't do this anymore. Are they being a dramatic teenager or are they having thoughts of suicide? The only way to find out is to lean in and have an uncomfortable conversation. One of the biggest warning signs that, you know, we're taught, which I saw play out too, is when somebody has a dramatic shift in mood, going from negative to positive, actually. Because they feel relief at the prospect of, of not suffering anymore. Yeah. So during my first three weeks uh, of my internship at a psych hospital, we had a client who had been in there multiple times and, you know, for suicide ideation, had a history of, you know, just really struggling. And the last time they were there, there was a big shift and everybody thought, oh, they're doing so much better. Oh my gosh, this is like such a huge, such huge progress for this person. And they, so 
then they were released and within 24 hours they had completed suicide, which was absolutely devastating. I was devastated. And I learned from this situation that it's not always going into all of the negative emotions that sometimes when people decide this is what I'm doing and they feel at peace with it, they can have a really big shift to positive emotion. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a really good point, Sarah. Yeah, that is. And it also, what comes up for me too, is I think for more for younger kiddos or, you know, teens, when you're dating and dating someone who's, who could make threats like that, like, well, if you don't do this, I'll kill myself or, you know, things like that. Like those are, you know, you can't take those, you have to take that seriously too. So, and, and educating your kids or anybody who hears that to inform someone that you did hear someone say that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't ever let it stop with you. Like that's kind of my rule. If somebody says something, they refer to something, you should not be the last person to know that information. And so you should always pass that information on. If you're a teenager, it should be to a parent or to somebody else that can take that information and do something with it. If you're an adult, it should be to 911 or a professional or somebody. We shouldn't ever be the ones left sitting with that information. And so I think that's just a really good rule of thumb to ask yourself, if this person were to take their life, would I feel bad for having the information that I had and not doing anything with it? That's why I go back to let them be mad Mm -hmm. because that means they're alive. So let's talk now about some of the questions because you guys have both referred to some of the questions that you can ask. And I want to talk a little bit about this because I think this is all information we should have in our pocket. I think it's really important information. Then I want to move into anybody is listening to this and feeling suicidal. I think it's important to talk about that as well. So before we dive into that, what are some of the questions that we should be asking if we're worried that somebody is suicidal or you maybe they've made reference or they were worried about them? Definitely number one is always directly asking. And are you going to kill yourself? Even stronger than do you feel like you want to harm yourself because that can even be a little bit passive. And so I think it's okay to even be more direct than that. So Mm -hmm. are you going to kill yourself? Are you going to number, like I said, that's the most important is being direct with that question. Now, I think maybe sometimes people don't ask that question because they're afraid of what the answer is going to be. Like, what do I do next? What if they say yes, then, then what happens? Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about some follow-up, some, maybe uh, some follow-up questions. If somebody says yes, or alludes to the fact that they're thinking about it. So my next question would be, do you have a plan in place to kill yourself? Mm-hmm. And if they said yes, then I would ask them to share that with me. And then I would say, okay, we are going to get you some help right now. And I would call 911. And then I would sit with that person until 911 could get there. The Another question, another follow-up question you could ask is, have you taken steps to follow through with this plan already, Mm -hmm. because then they might be able to tell you I've actually already taken pills or whatever the the plan is. 
and just get them talking. And then you, you have options depending on what their responses are for how you, what's the next step. If they don't already have a plan, but they're thinking about it, maybe one of the hotlines is the right next step. And it's important for you to connect them with that resource, but have them be the ones to help do the work to have the conversation with the resource. You can't do that for them. Yeah, that's exactly what I would would have said. Yeah, those determining questions to see, yeah, have you decided when you're going to, or, you know, the plan, have you, do you have a plan in place to actually do it and yeah, and keeping them safe and and reminding them why you're keeping them safe of all the people in their life that that support them and all, you know, all how, how much support they do have and how many, you know, how much care and love is in their life and the people that value them. If somebody, if I ask somebody, have you thought about dying from suicide? Have you thought about killing yourself? And they say yes. And I say, okay, are you thinking about that right now? And they say no but I do struggle with that from time to time. I'm even thinking like in a work context, I would connect them with our employee assistance program and make sure that because they don't have a plan right now, that they know they have resources and I'm going to help them get in touch with those resources. That would be like, because there's no imminent danger for that person. And I feel like they are in a place where they just maybe need to talk to somebody. And then I would make sure that they follow through and connect with those resources. And I would probably also make, you know, an HR person aware of it as well. Somebody else within the company that has the ability to be another point of contact for that person so that it's not just on me. Yeah. And important to make sure you're not making this person feel bad or guilty for the way that they're thinking in any way, shape or form, like words, like it's not okay that you feel this way or, you know, not validating their feelings. I think the other thing, Heather, when you were just talking about that is assessing lethality too, and that would really impact decision-making. So if they say, yeah, you know, I, I'm not right now, but I have thought about it. And you say, well, if you've thought about it, have you thought about how you would do it? Mm -hmm. And if they say, well, yeah, I would use a gun. And then I think you ask, do you have access to a gun? And if they say, well, yeah, I have three guns at my house, then that makes it much more, they have immediate access to lethal means. And so they have immediate access to their plan. And so that makes it much more, so even if they said, no, I'm not right now, but they had that plan, they had the immediate access to it, I think it makes it more urgent. Where if somebody says, you know, oh yeah, I think about it and I would, or I would use a gun, but they don't have any access to a gun. They don't have guns around them. I think that's something that we also need to think about too when having these conversations. Because somebody who says, yes, I have a gun, I have a gun at home, you're not going to want to let that person out of your sight. You know what I mean? Until they can be contacted by the police to get them to the hospital or, or whatever. So I think the lethality and the access to the means are important things to think about. Okay, so any thoughts on that? I just have a book recommendation that helped me with my own personal experiences. I would like to share that. It's called No Time to Say Goodbye, Surviving the Suicide of a Loved One. And the author is Carla Fine. 
I can add that to the show notes too, the link. Thank you. I would also like to add that mental health should be normalized just like our dentist, going to a dentist, going to a doctor, going to a dermatologist. Our mental health is so critical. I think every person should have their own therapist by the time they're going into middle school. I highly, highly encourage that. I know not everyone has access to that, but we also have friends. So talk about your mental health, be vulnerable. It's okay to struggle. doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. And suicide does not have to be an option ever. Yeah, agreed. I have been in counseling since I was 14 for a various amount of things. And I have never looked at mental health as a never been embarrassed or ashamed to say that I go to therapy. I I think it's a normal part of my life. You know, it helps me process. It helps me process pain and feelings that are hard for me to sit alone with. So yeah, I I couldn't agree more. It should be just a a part of your self-care, honestly, in your, your health. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and, you know, suicide is a a thought or something maybe that you struggle with or has crossed your mind, I think the most important thing is reaching out, talking to somebody, not sitting in that alone, not going to the place of shame and, and letting that keep you from getting the connection and the support that is is available to you. I just thought about one of the warning signs is, you know, feeling hopeless, feeling like, you know, maybe there is no direction forward. And if you ever get into a place of hopelessness or you're wondering how things can ever be different, it's so perspective changing when we can get that outside of ourself and and have those conversations with other people, when it's kept inside of ourselves, it all feels true and right and real. And not until we speak it, not until we can have a conversation with somebody about it, can we really, I, I don't think we can really evaluate it accurately. So I think the message is, you're not alone. You know, I think in either situation, whether you have someone in your life who who has died by suicide, you've been impacted personally, that's important for you to reach out and get support from other people who really truly understand, but also people who don't. Just, you know, people who maybe can understand pain, but finding the people where it's not a conversation ender, finding the people who can lean in and who can sit in pain with you, whether that's a friend or a professional. And also if suicide is something that you struggle with personally, I think that's equally as important. Uh, Finding the people who can lean in because a lot of our world, our society runs from pain, like Amy said earlier, and don't know how to lean in. And so when people can't show up for you, I don't think it's necessarily because they don't want to, but because they don't know how to. And so I think it's important to seek out and find the people who know how and who are able to lean in. Yeah. And I think from the outside, I know in my experience, I used to do it a lot because I've been impacted by suicide. 
I thought that the outside, if you, if your circumstances aren't the same as mine, you can't possibly know what I'm feeling. And that's so far from the truth. Everybody knows what pain feels like. Every one of us, our journey just looks different on the outside. So we can all connect with pain. So we are never alone. Truth. Hashtag truth. (laughs) (laughs) Heather, do you want to say anything in closing? No, I think I already did. Okay. Thank you for having hard conversations, Sarah. It's important. Yes. Yeah. I love this. I love the hard conversations. Yeah. And encouraging anyone out there listening because it is national suicide week this week. Yeah. To challenge yourself to learn something uncomfortable or ask somebody how their day is and really listen, just encouraging you to, to reach out to each other, especially now. Yeah. And do doing what you can to normalize mental health. Like we said earlier, do what you can to normalize the care in, in mental health and destigmatizing it, I think is the biggest thing that we can do to help people feel like they can approach support services. And I just want to say thank you both for also having the hard conversations with me. (laughs) Thank you for showing up for this. But I I just want to say that if you are listening and you need some immediate resources, I want to give you again the suicide hotline, which is 1-800-273-8255. That's something you can call now. It's available 24-7 for support. It's also a number that everyone should keep with them so that we can give it to somebody else if they're in need of that as well. It's a beautiful resource that y'all need to keep in our pockets for sure. Yes. And if you or someone you love or someone you know is in immediate danger, call 911. Yeah. I guess just to close out, to know that you're, you're seen, you're loved, you're not alone, and that there's always, always people out there to support you, and there's always hope. All right, my friends, what an awesome interview. We absolutely believe in the power of our stories, and we are so very grateful to our guests who have the courage to speak their truth and share their heart, experiences, and light with all of us. If you want more of the WE podcast, make sure you head over to theweespot.com where you can find all of our episodes as well as the WE Spot blog. The WE Spot is your go-to spot for growth, connection, authenticity, and encouragement. You can also find us on social media. Head over to the We Spot Facebook and Instagram pages and get plugged in. You can also find me, Sarah Moneras, on my personal Facebook and Instagram pages as well. If you love the We Podcast, we would be thrilled for you to rate the podcast and write us a review. We want as many people as possible to be lifted up in growth and get connected with our community. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes dropping every single week. We can't wait to see you over on social media. Thank you for being here today. It means a lot to us. Remember, your story makes you who you are. Speak your truth, grow constantly, rise above, and always know you are not on this journey alone. See you next time.